The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. Your standard man at this point in the Christmas season has purchased zero gifts, right? Standard guy, average guy. You might be above average, maybe you bought all your presents already, but the standard guy, you know, he's still looking at, I've got three more days. I can get this thing done, you know. (laughs) I haven't done it yet, but I've got time to do it. He's not yet gotten around to purchasing acceptable gift for his wife for last Christmas. Uh, He did give her something last year, but he could tell by her reaction to it that she had not been dreaming of getting an auto emergency kit, even though it was the deluxe model with booster cables and an air compressor. Clearly, this gift violated an important rule, but the man had no idea what the rule was, and his wife was too upset to tell him. You know, sometimes uh, we focus a lot on presents, but the truth of the matter is, is the, the thing we should look at, the thing we should focus on more than anything else at Christmas is not the presents, P-R-E-N-S, or P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S, but the presents the fact that he's here, his presence with us, that is what we should focus on, his presence. Because here's the thing, God's gift to you and to me was his presence. That was his gift. John 3.16 tells us his gift to us was his presence. His presence with us, for God so loved the world that he gave. What did he give? His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what the Bible says. And boy, the gift of God to us at Christmas time, we need to remember, is His presence with us. It is God with us. It's His presence, His very presence around us. What are gifts without the giver's and the receivers. You know, as many have penned, I'll be home for Christmas. Many know that without the givers, without the receivers, the presents aren't any fun. I mean, you've got to have the presence of people there. Isn't that what makes Christmas so exciting? I don't know what your Christmas traditions are. Anybody have Christmas PJs and willing to admit it? All right. Any, any, anybody, any, anybody do a Christmas breakfast? You do a Christmas breakfast? Okay. Anybody's kids are now old enough where they actually appreciate Christmas breakfast uh, before, you know, you have the presents, all right? Uh, when they're young, they don't care about the breakfast and all that stuff. It's like, we do that later. Eating is okay, we can do that later. But, you know, when they get older, you know, we start to appreciate food more than, what's, what we're, more than what we're gonna take back the next day to the store, you know? So, you know, sometimes we, uh, you know, we really focus. But the truth of the matter is, there's nothing like being home for Christmas, There's nothing like being with family. There's nothing like just, uh, you know, my wife and I just talk. We just like being around our family. We like just being home, you know, for Christmas. I like sitting there. I like reading the Christmas story. How many, that's a tradition, maybe you read the Christmas story. I like doing that with my family. I I like just the things uh, that we do around Christmas time to focus. And by the way, don't lose that spirit when the season is over. You know, uh, we ought to spend time with our family, not just at Christmas time. You know, we ought to read the Bible to our family, not just at Christmas time. 
You know, we, we ought to spend time together enjoying each other's presence. Come on. It's when we sit down together and, you know, we shut off everything else that's keeping us from being in the room. Now, come on. Sometimes you, you turn the TV off. Uh, we never had a fireplace, but we always had a fire. My dad put that channel on, you know, the Yule log. <laughs> we always sat by it, tried to get warm. You know, the older TVs, they got really hot, so you actually could get some heat from them. Back in the tube days, right? I just dated myself. But we, uh, you know, we, uh, we kind of, we have our traditions. But, you know, there's nothing like being around others. I mean, when you... When you give a gift, you want to see their face. When you receive a gift, I mean, you want to be with the person that gave it to you. Uh, you know, those are the, that's the great thing about Christmas is being around the presence. But the presence, being with others. And uh, it's what makes Christmas so special. I, I like Christmas time at church. I like the trees and the lights and all the, uh, the stuff that we do. You know, I like all that stuff because I just like being with my church family. I like being, being with our church family. We had a great fellowship on Friday night. I don't know if we had room in the house. It was like standing room only. We were shuffling around it, packed everybody in, people overflowing. I felt like I was going to be like Eutychus, you know, sitting on the tree and fall, uh, on the window and falling out the window. But we had a good time. But you know what the best thing about that was is just being with the church. Just being fellowship and just being around Christians. And I love that stuff, just being around, uh, being together. And uh, sometimes uh, the world robs us of the joy of mere presence, being together. And boy, if we're not careful, technology pulls us away from where we are, doesn't it? Uh, you know, uh, you look at a, the, the modern day family and everybody's like this, right? All in the room, but nobody's really there. You know how you're not there? Because you say their name about 800 times before. What? Huh? I didn't hear you. Huh? Talking to everybody that's not in the room. You know, conversing with everybody that's not around. And by by the way, uh, talking to people who we don't even know through the internet. Because they're our friends, right? But we don't even know them. But we have conversation. And we ignore the people around us. We ignore the presence what makes things special, if we're not careful, we'll miss the meaning. We'll miss what Christmas is truly about. It's about the presence of God. God's gift to mankind is His presence. It is God with us. Look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted, God with us. I'm going to preach just the subject and simple subject, but God with us. His presence. His presence. You know, as I look at Scripture and understand the presence of God from the Scriptures, we see in this passage of Scripture, number one, His presence revealed. His presence revealed. John 1 reveals His presence. But if we want to go back further, we can see His presence revealed to mankind, even in the Old Testament, can we not? That God is revealing Himself. He's, reveal, he's unveiling, if you would, or showing his plan of redemption, his plan of salvation. He's unveiling, he's revealing. And boy, isn't the, the theme, the very subject of the book is Jesus Christ, is it not? I mean, every story, every line, every precept, they're all t- tied together to that line of the tribe of Judah. 
to that lame lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, uh, to that better Adam, I mean to the second one who would come uh, that would redeem mankind. And we see it just so carefully and intricately laced through scriptures as God reveals himself to us. The Bible tells us in Isaiah the prophecy that Matthew is quoting. And by the way, Matthew just keeps going back to that Old Testament, doesn't he? To show these Jews, hey, listen up. God is with us. Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is the the promised one. And he lays this groundwork here. And he throws back into uh, Isaiah and he says, hey, listen, his name's Emmanuel. His name is God with us. And God's trying to get something to us. He's trying to reveal his presence to us. You know what sometimes I want to do with people when they come to church is reveal to them the presence of God. I almost want to unveil it to them because here's the truth. So many times we come into church and we don't acknowledge his presence because we don't think as God as, as someone who's living and alive in a relationship that we have. We think of God more like untouchable, needed to be mediated through a man of God, uh, only on Sundays, uh, just kind of a, a character, if you would, a storyline, but not a touchable human being who's alive, who's in a relationship with us. Boy, that's what makes all the difference. It's Jesus' presence every day, not just Jesus' presence Sunday. But boy, Jesus' presence every day makes Sunday so much sweeter. It makes His presence with me today when I come in with other Christians and I've worshipped Him Monday through Saturday and then I get to worship Him now with another group that has also worshipped Him every day from their lives. Boy, you know, our worship ought to be glorious because His presence is revealed. The Bible says that the Word became flesh What was that? That was the presence of God revealed to us. Number one, his presence revealed. Number two, his presence rejoiced. You say, what are you talking about? Well, didn't the angels show up? The angels showed up because they knew what was going on, didn't they? They understood it. Yes, sent by God. Yes, created to worship. Yes, created to praise. But if they did it, so should we. They said For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Oh, they sang hallelujah. They sang praise to the Lamb. They lifted up their voices there on the sides of the fields. And the shepherds heard. Boy, they rejoiced over the coming of Christ the King, they said. Christ the Messiah, they said. Christ the Savior of the world. Oh, it's cause for rejoicing. Why look so glum? Don't be the Grinch. You know, come on. Sometimes people, because they got caught up in the culture of Christmas and not really the purpose of it, they got caught up in the culture and the pressure. If we're not careful, we'll get pressured into this society's way of doing things that we are just so pressured and inundated with. Come on, people, Christmas represents going into debt. Christmas represents being indebted and, 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 and hurting me, and I've got to recover for weeks or a month afterwards uh, because of what I've done uh, at Christmas time. Christmas isn't a time to make silly decisions. Christmas is a time to rejoice. Christmas isn't a time to get caught up with all the silliness that the world has replaced the presence of God for. And by, by the way, if you replace the presence of God with anything else, you will feel glum. 
But when you have the presence of God, you will rejoice. You know, I look at people, and really the reason why they have no cause for rejoicing is they have no presence of God in their life. They don't have the Holy Spirit. I look at people, and really what they're hoping that's going to make them happy are the material things on their list, or perhaps some kind of jolly and bright day. That that's what's going to make them happy. Listen, I'm happy today. I'm happy today since Jesus Christ, since he took my sins away, I'm happy today. I'm rejoicing. Rejoicing. His presence rejoiced. Number three, his presence wrapped. And yes, I know that wrapped doesn't begin with an R. His presence wrapped. But the Bible says that they wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. They wrapped him. Isn't it interesting how God wrapped up the present to us? His presence to us, he wrapped. The swaddling clothes, by the way, was a fulfillment of prophecy. The swaddling clothes was a sign, because that's what the angel said, and this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. You know, I'm glad that they found him wrapped in swaddling clothes but when they, at the manger, but when they went to the tomb, they did not find him wrapped. Because a present is enjoyed when it is opened. And when Jesus went into the tomb, the stone rolled away and uh, the, uh, the, wrapping, the, the wrapping was left. Hey, listen, Jesus left the Christmas wrapping in the tomb. <laughs> it was unveiled. It was unwrapped when they went and get this. Come on, how many, how many of you, you're rippers when you open the presents? Come on. I see some of you. I know. You're the rippers. You know, oh, everything goes everywhere, you know. And then I see some of you. I know what you are. You're those, you're those annoying people we got to sit around and wait for all the time because you're like, eh, eh, you know, with, you got a letter opener. <laughs> this is pretty. I need to fold this. I'm going to use this next year. My mom was hilarious. She have all these bags, these Christmas bags, you know? And I always thought it's just because she's lazy, you know, because she didn't want to wrap stuff. She just shoved it in the bag. That's what I get a bag for because I don't want to wrap it, you know? And, uh, you know, she had all these bags. And we'd, we'd take the stuff and she'd go, don't rip the bag. I said, what's the matter? She says, I would save that. I was like, Mom, you gave, me the, you gave me a present in this bag the last four years. It's time to let it go. Rudolph is looking a little wore out. You know, we, we need to, you know, just let this one go a little bit. She's frugal, you know. That's another way to say cheap. But she was a Christian school teacher, so I understood. You know, here, you know, the, the, the wrapping. You know, Jesus, when he unwrapped that gift, the Bible says they found the napkin folded. And in its place. It's interesting that he came into the world wrapped and left unwrapped. He's a gift. Jesus' presence was a gift. He came in wrapped and he left unwrapped. He left open. He left received. Oh, and his life rejected, despised. But as many as have received him. To them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. Oh, thank God, thank God. He was wrapped, but he was opened. Oh, he was opened for us. Oh, thank God that on the cross, although they tried to put that 
that, that scarlet robe around him. They planted the crown of thorns on his head. Oh, he was a higher king. He was a greater king than just the king of the Jews. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. Jesus Christ. Wrapped. <laughs> Can you see him? Just a little baby. Small. Vulnerable. He humbled himself, the Bible says. He put himself in a vulnerable place. He made himself in a vulnerable state. What did he do that for? For me? For you? For love? His presence wrapped. Number four, his presence rejected. His presence rejected. Oh, when Jesus came on the scene, John announced it, did he not? Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. He announced it. There was a surge. John said, he must increase and I must decrease. The crowds began to throng. Thousands came to hear. Many believed. People were healed. He sat on the donkey. They laid down their coats, the palms in the way. They proclaimed, Hosanna. He is come. He is come. But the crowd's fickle. They turned on him. They rejected him. They crucified him. When they shouted to the crowd, who will you have? They said, Barabbas. They said, what should we do with Jesus? Crucify him. Crucify him. They rejected him. Not the king we want. Not the one we thought. We thought he'd do so much. We thought he had such great potential. But that was not his plan. That was not his way. That was not his reason. Not yet. Oh, one day on his thigh, it is written, King of kings and Lord of lords, one day sit on the throne. Yes, we understand. But when he came, he came to die. He came the sacrifice. He came the lamb. Hey, John announced what he was. Behold, the lamb. That's what he said. He was going to be slain. He was going to be sacrificed. His presence rejected. Number five, his presence ripped. Oh, they ripped the beard from his face. They rejected him, and then they ripped him to pieces, the shreds. Oh, not a bone of him was broken, the psalmist prophesied. But the truth of the matter is, they marred his face beyond the measure of what a man would look like. Oh, they beat him. Oh, they hurt him. They stretched him out. They wrapped that cat of nine uh, tails around him. Oh, he took those beatings for me. He took them for you. They spat on his face. They cursed him. They put a shroud over his head and they beat him and said, if you're the son of God, tell us who hit you. They mocked him. We see him ripped. We see him rent. We see him torn. We see him punished. Why was he punished? Oh, nobody took his life. Jesus said, nobody can take my life except I lay it down. Jesus gave himself. You see, he is the present. His presence. He's here. His gift. He said, here I am. I'm going to be offered. I'm going to be given. I'm going to be rent. I'm going to be torn. He said to his disciples again and again, I've got to go to the cross. The Bible tells us he set his face like a flint to the cross. Determination. Nothing would keep him from the cross. Oh, he would go. Nothing would keep him from bearing the, 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 the judgment, the punishment, the wrath of God for, you, for me and for you. What love. 
We see his presence revealed, rejoiced, wrapped, rejected, ripped. His presence redeemed. His presence redeemed. What did his presence do for us? He came as a ransom. He came as a payment. He came as a sacrifice. You see, a payment had to be made. God's justice required a payment, a penalty on sin. For the wages of sin is what? Death. There must be a death. God revealed that to us in the garden, did he not? Genesis chapter 3, something had to die. All their coverings of fig leaves were not enough. An animal had to be killed. Blood had to be shed. And God opens up and says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. There is no redemption without blood. Hey, listen, uh, we don't serve a a God who who had a bloodless uh, salvation offered to us. It was a bloody one. There had to be blood. You know, some of the modern-day theologians like to take the bloodiness out, the blood out, the redemption out, the power of the blood. But here's the truth. The shedding of the blood is what bought our redemption. It is the blood that was sprinkled on the mercy seat. God, Jesus Christ, he sprinkled his blood. It appeased the wrath of God. It was the only payment that was acceptable. Oh, he was the better able. He offered the sacrifice, but he did it once for all, the Bible says in Hebrews. He went in and he sat down. He went in, he offered it, he did it, it was done. He cried, it is finished, and then he sat down, the Bible says. It was done. The veil was rent. Redemption was bought. Salvation had come. Grace, salvation by grace through faith in it, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, the Bible says. His presence redeemed. His presence risen. Oh, His presence risen. Don't we celebrate that? The fact that He's risen. Aren't you glad that His presence is with us, that He's alive Come on, we don't serve a dead God. We don't go to a tomb where he is, where his remnants are, where he's laid in decay. We don't visit tombstones. We don't go to the monuments. We need not to go to those places. We can come boldly before the throne of grace and find grace to help in time of need. We come boldly because he offers us to come. How can he offer? Because he's alive. He's alive. And we can come. His presence, risen, he is risen. All the angels, boy, didn't they have a great job. (laughs) They brought the good news. They celebrated his birth. Boy, they celebrated when he rose. Oh, they celebrated when he rose. The angels sat on the stone, and when those came to the the grave site to anoint him, what did he say? Why seek you the living among the dead? Why are you looking for Jesus here? This is where dead people are. Jesus is not where dead people are. He's risen. As he said, and then the invitation. It didn't just say, oh, just take my word at it. You know, just trust the, 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 that I'm telling you the truth. No, he rolled the stone away so everybody else could go in. He didn't roll the stone away so he could get out. <laughs> He's already out. The stone rolled away so people could come in. Because the angel said, come see the place where the Lord lay. He said, come on in. Come look. There's nothing here. No death in this place. Only death swallowed up in victory. 
Oh, death, where's thy sting? Oh, grave, where's thy victory? Jesus still cries, risen, risen Savior. I serve a risen Savior. What? I serve a risen Savior. Up from the grave he arose. His presence risen. How about this? His presence replaced. His presence replaced. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad when he ascended that he did not leave us alone? Oh, that's so awesome to read in the Bible. Because the disciples got to be with him. They got to experience, you know, interchange and, and, and being to see him and touch him. And remember Thomas? Hey, Thomas, come put your hands in the wounds and put your hand in my side. Thomas, and what did he? My Lord and my God. Oh, but what did Jesus say? I'll not leave you alone. When Jesus rose and he ascended, he sent another to replace him. Only a person could replace a person. He didn't send us a power. He didn't send us a battery. He didn't send us an inanimate object or something that's something we can't touch, feel, speak with, and understand. He sent us the person of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, we saw the result of the presence of the Holy Spirit. What happened? Salvation. Same thing that happened when Jesus was around. But Jesus said this to the disciples. He said, get this. The things that I do, greater things shall you do because I go unto my Father. But the reason why they do greater things is because God would be with them. He would be in them. And how would he be in them? He said, I'm a physical person here, but I'm going to send my spirit. He's going to live inside of every heart, every Christian, every life, indwell them and enable them, empower them to live the life that I lived. I set the example. I give you my spirit. Now in multiplication, what did he do? He made a way for all of us to live like he lived. He made a way for all of us to know what the disciples knew. He made a way for all of us to be taught what the disciples got taught. Boy, we need not only to open the Word of God, but thankfully when I open the Word of God, who is it that leads me and guides me into truth? Who is it that says, oh, this is true, it's real, speaks to me? The Holy Spirit of God, does He not? He's with us. His presence was replaced. How about this? His presence received. His presence received. Ooh. What's sad is that although His presence is very real today, There are people that have not received it. There are people that have not received it. I know about you, but more and more as I read the Bible and I interact with this world and I see people, I know the biggest problem is is simply this. They have not yet received Christ. And that's what they need. They need Jesus. They need his presence. You know what they are in this world? Alone. You know what they are before God? Alone. Could you stand before God alone? You could not do it. Oh, you could not see God. You could not stand before God alone. I tell you, the reason why we'll stand before God is because of the presence of Christ. Because he's real to us. Because we've received him. I gave you the book, in, uh, the verse in Acts in the beginning, but as many as have what? Received him. To them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Why do we tell people to pray and receive Christ? Because the Bible tells them to. You say, what are you talking about? That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart, that, that what? Thou hast raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. 
For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know what we need to do? Call on Him. Call on Him. You know what? Here's the thing. If you call on God, He hears you. You call on me, I might not hear you. You call on Him, He hears you. You know what the the psalmist said? I cry out to God. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard me and delivered me out of all my trouble. Here's the thing this morning. You in trouble? Cry out to God. He'll hear you. He'll deliver you. What message? Uh, What message has he given you? Oh, receive Christ. Here's the way. This is the way. I'm the way, Jesus said, the truth and life. No man comes to the Father but by me. How do we come to Christ? By receiving his presence in our lives. You've got to believe, not just in God. A lot of people believe in God. People are not so offended if you just say God. But when you say the name of Jesus... It's uh, kind of a line drawn in the sand, isn't there? And when you say that the name of Jesus is the only way, there's another line. Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. Nobody gets to the Father but by the... He's the only door. I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. That's what Jesus said. So he's the way of salvation. There is no other way, friend. It's only in receiving Christ. You've got to receive the gift. And boy, isn't that why God gave us the illustration of a gift? Because gifts are received. They're paid for by the giver. God's the giver. He paid for them. He sends them. He's given them, offered them to us freely, hasn't he? Isn't that what real pure gifts are given? They're given freely. He says, the gift of God. For by grace you save through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. A gift's not of works. His presence received. And then lastly this morning, his presence returned. His presence returned. Boy, Christians, don't we long for that day. When he won't have a replacement, but physically he'll come and return. He is coming back. You believe that? He is coming back. Oh, don't let the time scare you. Don't let it cause you to doubt or lack in faith. Because here's the thing. He's going to come at the perfect time. He's going to come. He's going to come when he's ready. He's going to come when the time that is appointed. That we don't know. No man knoweth. Hey, many have prophesied. Many have said when it will be. Oh, how many times is the world going to tell us when it's going to be over? (laughs) I was in grabbing a cup of coffee and... A lady handed me a cup of coffee, and she said, boy, this weather means something's going to happen. I said, yeah, it means it's going to get warmer outside. It means I'm going to have to take my jacket off. It means I'm going to enjoy the day without being cold. But if you're saying it means like the world's going to end, you got it. You got it all wrong. Because the world doesn't end without Jesus coming back. You know, Christian, we'll know when the world's going to end. You don't have to worry about when that's going to happen. When it's going to end, you'll know. You will know. There won't be a doubt in your mind. You can't, there will be no speculation about it. There'll be no like, I guess, I think, I hope, this might. When somebody starts saying that, we know they're not telling the truth. 
Beside that, Jesus said, no man knoweth the day nor the hour. So we understand that. So here's the thing. Jesus is going to come back. He promised that. I don't know whether it's today, tomorrow, the next day, or a thousand years from now. I need only to busy myself doing what he told me to do while I'm here. I don't got to worry about all the other stuff. Don't worry about the end of the world. Just worry about where the world is going right now and what you're doing to prevent it. What you're doing to stop it. You say, what are you talking about? Let your light so shine. Be salt and light. That's what he said to the church. He told us to make a difference, to occupy till he came, to do what he called us to do. When his presence is returned, guess what? His parish will be raptured. His plan will be revealed. His people will respond. His people, the Jews, they're going to respond one day. The Bible tells us that. His parish raptured, his plan revealed, his people respond. His power realized. The devil is going to bow the knee, friend. He's going to say, I'm done. It's over. You beat me. You are the Lord. I bow before you. It's going to happen. His power is going to be realized. And get this, his principality is going to be restored. King, that throne that he said was forever will be filled one day. And it will be filled by Jesus Christ. Oh, what a day that will be. When my Jesus I shall see, when I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, when he takes me by the hand, leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. I wonder, what kind of presence are you focused on this Christmas? Don't focus so much on the presence that you miss the presence. That you miss the presence of God. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.